going to continue a little series on what the Bible says. And today, this morning, we're going to look at water baptism. And there's different thoughts and, and beliefs about this, but we want to look at what the Bible actually says about water baptism. And you know, church, I'm a very strong advocate of water baptism in Jesus' name. I've been studying it for over 40 years. I've preached on it. I've wrote about it. And I've read many books, uh, even those who do not agree with it. I've took the time to read them to see what their argument is. But I'm still a great believer in baptism in Jesus' name. But honestly, the best book that I have ever read concerning water baptism, and it's an easy to read book, is a book written by the late pastor, Conley. Uh, it's a wonderful book. I have some copies here at the front. If you're new to the church and you want a copy, just come and see my wife. They're sitting beside her after the service and she'll give you a book. Anyone can go and take one, but especially if you're new to the church and don't have one of these, I actually have a letter from Sister Connolly, a signed letter from Sister Connolly, giving me permission to reproduce these books and I think they're well worth reproducing. It's a wonderful book, very easy to read and very well laid out and very well put argument for water baptism. So we're going to look at it this morning. You see, water baptism, it was never meant to be just a religious ceremony. And in my opinion, it is, in general, a religious ceremony in our land. Even within uh, Catholicism, I just was listening to a priest on the radio and talking about the hypocrisy of people making a big thing of their confirmation, whatever they call it, and then that's the last they'll see the children, and that's the last they'll see the parents. It's a ceremony, according to him, where they come all dressed up with all their family and then head out to lunch, and then when the minute they go out that chapel door, that's the last they'll see of them till there's a funeral or a wedding. And you know, it's the same within Protestant churches. A lot of people I know had their children christened. And when I talked to them about it, not debating and not trying to make them look silly, but when I asked them why they did it, well, it's always done. It's always done. And it needs to be done. And I know even Jean and I, when our eldest daughter, Laura, was born, some of my family were very cross with me that we weren't going to get her christened. And we tried to explain dedication to them, but uh, they just, let's say, had a difference of opinion. But it is a an act of great importance. We need to understand that. It's an act of great significance for the Christian. Do you know, in, uh, uh, we're told that in non-Christian lands, it's not, sorry, not a lot of attention are paid to people who just confess that I've become a Christian. There's not a lot of attention paid to it. But you know something, they say that when they are baptized, then people begin to take notice. Enemies begin to get angry when they start to baptize people in Jesus' precious name. Baptism, what is it? It's an outward sign of following the Lord's command. I'm gonna quote quite a lot of scripture this morning, but I believe scripture talks better than I do. And so, no, wrong one, there we, there we go. First one we're gonna reach, John 3, 23. I'm going to ask, well, how is this all to be done? 
John was also baptizing in Anon near to Salem because there was much water there and they came and were baptized. So there needed to be much water and they were baptized. And then it was to be done by believers. It says that <clears throat> he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And that's the important part there. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. With the greatest respect, if you've been christened as a baby, that does not cover you in water baptism. You did not make a choice. You did not believe anything when you were a baby. And so it has to be someone, a mature person, who makes this decision, who has first believed, then repented of their sin, and they can be baptized. And even young children, and their parents know, and this is, if a young child would like to be baptized, they need their parents' formation in this church if they're under 16, but the parent knows them. And we are quite willing to baptize young, my, my three girls were baptized at a young age because they knew what they were doing at that young age. It wasn't just a thing that all their friends were doing. It wasn't just a wee ceremony. They knew full well. Uh, Jean and I taught them and told them and spoke to them about it and they decided to be baptized. And when you look at the word of God, the Ethiopian eunuch, he believed and was baptized. The Philippian jailer, he believed and he and his household was baptized. What about Cornelius? Cornelius and his household were all baptized. So this is responsible people who through their love for Christ obeyed his commands. They made the decision to follow the Lord's command. And as I've said, it has to be immersed in water. The Greek word baptizo, it signifies dipping, plunging, submerging, thoroughly wetting, and it may even be translated immerse or submerge. And the unscriptural practice of sprinkling, it has done a great disservice to many who sincerely believe that their christening as infants fulfilled the scriptural requirements of baptism. And you go back in church history and, it's, uh, and other things came about uh, which changed the word of God and that's really when infant uh, christening started to take place and the sprinkling of water on their foreheads, christening them or baptizing them into the church. But all such practices have deprived God's people of the joyous experience of believers' baptism. You know, Bible baptism, it follows faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 2, verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, repent. I'm flicking away really fast here. There we go. There we go. Peter said, uh, repent. And be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Peter speaking on the steps of Jerusalem. He had testified of who they had crucified. Their hearts were pricked. Their hearts were touched. Their hearts were turned in repentance. And they said to Peter, what must we do? Peter didn't say, put your hand up. Everybody that wants to be saved. He said, repent and be baptized. And listen to this. Every one of you every one of them, be baptized and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Acts 8 verse 12, 
Philip was preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And they were baptized. Both men and women were baptized. Acts 8 verse 16 we're talking about the Holy Ghost for us. He was not yet fallen on none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Mark 16, verse 17, in my name, it says, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils and speak with tongues. So they were baptized, but they were baptized in Jesus' precious name. Luke 24, 4 says, in his name. And if you look at the screen there, and we'll just... Take that verse as verbatim at the moment. They quote Matthew 28, 19 as in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Well, the Father's name is Jehovah. And Jehovah means the Lord, our salvation. Yahweh, Jehovah, whatever way you want to pronounce it. Jesus' name. Jesus is the Greek version of his, real, his Hebrew name. His Hebrew name was Yahushua. In fact, back then, they would have referred to Jesus. The disciples, those that spoke to him, would have called him in English, Joshua. That's what uh, Yahushua means. And Yahushua means the Lord, our salvation. And the Holy Ghost never had a name, folks. It's always referred to as his spirit. And the main thing, which really, you can disagree with me here if you wish. You can disagree with everything I say, I don't mind. But the thing to bear in mind is original scripture. And we go back to the third century again. And back in the, before they changed it, the actual translation of Matthew 8, 20, so Matthew 28 verse 19 read, baptizing them in my name. It was changed in the third century uh, just after the Nicene Council and many people praise the Nicene Council. I think it done more damage than any other movement uh, within Christendom for a lot of pagan practices were adopted into the church. But they changed Matthew 28 and 19 to in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. The original scripture, and if you want, I can give you about 40 or 50 quotes from church historians, Christians down through time, who vindicate what I'm saying. The original scripture said, baptizing them in my name. So then we go on to, well, who should really do it? In John uh, 2 verse, uh, or John, sorry, John 4 verse 2, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples. You see, it was the disciples that baptized. Jesus didn't do it. A disciple is one who takes another as his teacher or model early followers of Christ. The disciples were men and listen and women of God sent by Christ to teach all men and baptize them to minister unto them as under shepherd for the Lord. You see, we put down Jesus' disciples to the 12 men and they were the 12 main ones if that's the proper way I'm putting it. They were the predominant ones that Jesus would have spoke to most of the time and would have been on a lot of his journeys. But many women traveled with Jesus. In fact, I think it's in Luke, I can't remember the chapter or verse, but it says in Luke, when they went into a village, the, the, the women sold what they had, the, these women disciples who were following Jesus to bring food for the disciples. So a commentator said that they either worked as they come into a village, earned money and bought food, or they sold what they had as they went on their journey with Jesus. So there's a little added for you. The disciples were both men and women who followed Jesus. 
And again, Matthew 28, 19, go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, or as we said, in my name. Ananias, he was sent to baptize. In Acts 9, verse 10, and there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, behold, here I am, Lord. Then we go down into verse 18. It says, And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and was baptized. This was Paul. And Ananias was told to go and get Paul and to baptize him in Jesus' name. And just think of the dilemma facing Ananias. But Lord, this man, he, he has a letter here to arrest me and take me to Jerusalem and have me stoned to death. This man persecuted the church. But we see that when Ananias prayed for him, as God commanded him, that the, the, his eyes were opened, the scale from his eyes fell, as they said, and he received sight. And what did he do? He was baptized in Jesus' name. This is, we know a very religious man, a Pharisee, who knew the law, and when his eyes were opened and God revealed to him his word, then he was baptized. Then we go into Romans 6, Verses three to seven, and it tells us what baptism means. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that, uh, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. And so we are told that we are baptized into his death, that we are buried with him through this, and that we also should be in the likeness of his resurrection. Our old self is crucified with him, our sinful nature done away with, and we are no longer slaves to sin. In fact, for he who has died, it said, is free from sin. And so in the Bible, baptism was never an optional extra. Because Jesus said in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. This kind of word is brushed over by a lot of people who don't believe in water baptism. Not words, commandments. This is a command from Jesus. If you read for yourself, it's an interesting study. How many commands that Jesus gave directly to the disciples. He gave plenty of advice, he gave plenty of teaching, but it was extremely important. It's a bit like when he said, truly, truly, it was for everybody had to take note. Jesus had been talking and he said, truly, truly, or it's translated verily, verily. And this was when people were to take notice, I'm about to say something important. It was maybe like most pastors saying to the congregation, Give them your mate beside you. We nods there. Wake him up. I'm about to tell you something important. And this was important also when Jesus said, command. And he told the disciples, this is my command that you go out and you baptize in my name. So your baptism is a visible sign of your allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the earnest of your intention to obey his revealed will and to submit yourself entirely to his rules, to his commandments, or to his laws. 
to commit yourself. You see, God, uh, Jesus doesn't want half-hearted discipleship from us. Lukewarm followers is not what Jesus requires. He requires those who love him, who claim that he is their God and Savior to follow him and to follow his commands. And my own personal belief, although some churches tell you do, it does. I don't believe water baptism on its own saves anyone. It's part of what God commanded, the fulfillment of your gospel experience. And Jesus, he was baptized. If you read Matthew 3, verse 17, all the disciples were baptized. And as already stated, Paul, Cornelius, the Ethiopian eunuch, the Philippian jailer, the Samaritans, and many, many more. Wherever the disciples went, as the new church grew, people were being baptized in Jesus' name. And the command, again, was fulfilled, and they went forward in the name of the Lord. In Acts 2.41, it says, Then they gladly received his word and were baptized. In Acts 8, 12 to 6, Philip, preaching the things we've read as concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself also believed, and he was baptized and continued with Philip. You go into Acts 8, 36 to 38. When they went on their way, they came onto a certain water. The eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, thy mayest. And he answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they both went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Acts 10, 47, 48. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then prayed, they prayed him to tarry with them certain days. So the disciples and more importantly Jesus shows us that we must bury the old man. We must arise as a new creature and walk in the newness of life. Pastor Conley had a little uh, statement he used. He said, conviction brings repentance. Repentance brings obedience and obedience brings the Holy Spirit. And you know it's not just in the New Testament. We have Old Testament typology. Peter talks about this in 1 Peter 3. He said, when sometime we were disobedient, uh, when once the long-suffering of God waiting in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's Acts 30, he's quoting. And, you know, there, there's other verses there, but uh, we can even go in and we talk about the tabernacle of the wilderness and we see the typology of, of water baptism. But for me, the best way to describe water baptism is to go back when the children of Israel come out of Egypt. When they come out of Egypt, they headed towards the sea. And they were standing there, and Pharaoh and his men were coming behind them. He wanted them back. And had a big decision to make. On their left hand side, or well, I don't know what was left or right, but one of the sides where they were standing, there was an Egyptian garrison. And this was a front or a forward garrison who would have warned Pharaoh should any army be on their way to attack Egypt. And they would have held them off and sent a messenger back to bring more soldiers. So there was a garrison town, as it were, the Egyptians had built. On the other side, there was extremely 
rocky, hard to get over mountains. And behind them was Pharaoh. So with two million people, with women, children, old men, frail people, they could no way on earth go over them mountains. There was one journey to take, and that was to cross the Red Sea. And Moses, he hit the Red Sea with a stick. The Lord parted the waters, and they all went through. The significance and the typology in this is one thing. You think of it. They were free, as it were. Pharaoh had said to him, okay, you're free to go. But they were still in Egypt as they stood on that side of the Red Sea. And because they were still in Egypt on that side of the Red Sea, they were under Egyptian law. They were under the rule of Pharaoh. So they would have had to, if they said, okay, we're gonna live here, we're gonna camp here on this side of the Red Sea, they would have been Egyptian people living under their laws, living under the rule of Pharaoh. But when they crossed over the Red Sea, all their enemies, when they got to the other side, they could see that the Israelites are no longer slaves to Egypt. The Israelites are no longer slaves to Pharaoh and his laws. And all peoples would have heard of this. I mean, this is two million people. Local towns, local peoples would have heard about the crossing of the Red Sea. Pharaoh no longer had domain over them. And so the typology for me there is, as a Christian, we give our hearts to the Lord and we're still in the world. And you know, the prince of this world can still have domain in this darkened world that we live in. And people, like I said about far, um, most lands, non-Christian lands, when someone gives their heart to the Lord, there's not much commotion about it. But when they're baptized, there's a big change. And here's why. Because when we go through the waters of baptism, we are no longer living in the kingdom of darkness. That old man is dead and we are new creatures in Christ and we have crossed over. And our enemies can see and our friends can see and the devil can see that we are no longer under his command, that we are children of the living God. We have crossed through these waters and the Lord has saved us and brought us through. And for me, that's the great significance of water baptism that the world may see, that the devil may know that we are no longer slaves to sin and slaves to him. We are washed, we are set free. You know, water baptism is washing. Just uh, skip a few here. It's washing. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Their sins were washed away. You know, we talk about the blood washing us from our sins. And water baptism, that is the distinct meaning that the old man has gone. He is buried and the new man has risen in Christ. In Romans 6 and 4, Therefore we abide with him by baptism into death, that as, like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So we should walk in newness of life. You know, church, it's blatantly obvious as you go through the scriptures, particularly in Acts 2, what did Peter say? And I know I'm repeating myself, this is about the third or fourth time I've quoted this. 
But this is Peter talking to people who were seeking the Lord with a genuine heart, who had been convicted of what they had done, who have realized who Jesus Christ was, who have realized what Jesus Christ did on the cross for their sins, who have realized that all the years that they trusted in the laws and carrying out the feasts, carrying out the obligations, carrying out the sacrifices, and here they now see that Jesus once and for all was the sacrifice which was worthy to take away the sins of the world. Peter's sermon through the Holy Ghost convicted them. And they wanted to do what? They wanted to obey Jesus. Because of what Jesus had done for them, there was no questioning. When Peter says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, none of them said, hold on, Peter. Uh, I'll do it next week. Let me wait till tomorrow. Let me, well, let me have a read. Let me have a think about it. Repentance brought what? Obedience. Like we were talking about Psalm 8 this morning at the table. When you think of what God did for us, what Jesus did for us, surely he deserves our obedience. Surely he deserves us to follow his commands. Not make some excuse, not you know, want to put it off, not, no, let me think about it. And nothing to think about. This is a command from the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 10, 48, he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. There's that word again, commanded. And again, Acts 19, 15, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were baptized. They were completely submerged, put down into water, in obedience to the Lord, and they rose up a new man in Christ. And I believe that Jesus deserves, as I've said, our obedience. Again, folks, please listen to me. Read for yourself. Nowhere in the Bible will you find infant sprinkling. It's a human tradition. When Jesus was brought to the temple, when a child was born, they did what we today call a dedication ceremony. And what they were doing and what we do in dedication is they, rec uh, they recognize that all children are a gift from God. And therefore, they belong to God. And so when they come before the, the priests back then or our pastors today with their child, what they are doing is they're giving the child to the pastor and on behalf of the Lord, or the priest on behalf of the Lord is accepting the child and praying God's blessing on the child, praying God's blessing on the child. But then... Their child is handed back to the parents. And the responsibility of bringing that child up in the things of God. This child who belongs to God, God is returning it to the parents and saying, it's your obligation to bring this child up in the things of God. They didn't take these ceremonies lightly. They knew rightly, and, and so you should this morning, anyone who wants to come here for, for infant dedication, you need to understand it's not a ceremony. This is you dedicating your life. We talk about dedicating the baby. We're dedicating, the parents are dedicating their lives to bring the child up in the things of God. And this is what happened. And they brought a sacrifice, uh, you know, depending on how rich they were. We know Jesus and Mary brought two doves. They were poor. And this was a poor man's sacrifice. And this is what happened in the word of God. Sadly, through time, as pagan uh, beliefs began to integrate into the church. All these things came and they started to christen children and, and as they claimed, dedicate them into the church. It has to be 
a conscious decision by an individual to follow the Lord in baptism or through the waters of baptism. No other baptismal mode was practiced in scripture. They did it as Jesus commanded them to do it. They used Jesus' name. <clears throat> Every time they baptized someone in the New Testament, it was in the name of Jesus Christ. Look at Paul, when he was baptized, he was baptized in Jesus' name. All the disciples were baptized in Jesus' name. When John's disciples were discussing with them, some of them, they're asked, were they baptized? And they said, we were baptized by John. And they, what did they do? They baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, church, it's a, a choice that each individual has to make. Do I follow Jesus or do I follow tradition? You see, this isn't a debate about oneness and Trinitarianism, folks. It's about water baptism. It's about doing what Jesus asked us to do. Not what tradition has developed uh, 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 and what we would do to follow tradition. And it's for every believer. Doesn't say, you know, certain believers. Doesn't say just men. Doesn't say just women. And I don't believe it says just adults. If a child is of a mature disposition, the parents know that, and they know that the child is making this decision properly, then with their permission, the child can be baptized in Jesus' precious name. And so the question is for each and every one of us, have I followed what Jesus said, or am I following the word? Am I more worried about tradition than the word of God. Research for yourselves, folks. That's what this little study is all about, what the Bible says. Because what the Bible says is what we should be doing. And if someone can't show me something from the scriptures, then I don't want to know about it with the greatest respect. Show me in the word of God. If you think I'm wrong, come and show me from the word of God where you think I'm wrong. But folks, I said to you, I'm an advocate for this. I've started it 40 odd years I've read books by people who condemn it, but I still believe we have to follow the name of the Lord Jesus Christ through water baptism in his precious name and then be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's the promise given to those who are obedient unto him. And so the choice as the musicians come back, we'll just leave it there. The choice as the musicians come back for each and every one of us Am I doing what God asked me to do? And if not, why not? Seek the face of the Lord. We're not out here to embarrass people or make people think they're wrong because they don't do it our way. It's not our way. It's the Bible way, folks. You need to understand that. This is not uh, something I've made up and require you all to follow. This is the word of God. This is the word of the Lord. Be ye baptized. As I've said, every time someone was given their heart to the Lord in the New Testament, what did they do? They went to the nearest pool, river, lake, and baptized them in Jesus' precious name. And you know, we're lucky in this country. We have a lovely warm pool downstairs where you can have a shower after, you can have beautiful robes, and your family can even maybe go down with you and watch you being baptized. But you know in China today, 
There are people taking their lives in their hands to be baptized in Jesus' name. In Russia today, in Pakistan today, they have to hide in the woods. There's a great book, if you ever get the chance to read it, it's called Forgive Me, Natasha. And it's about a Russian secret service agent. And they went into this Christian uh, meeting. And I'm not, it was horrendous what they did, but this girl called Natasha refused to reject the Lord Jesus Christ and they killed her. And later this man came to the Lord and that was his cry all his life. Even though he knew Jesus, forgive him. He always, that's why he wrote the book, Forgive Me, Natasha. But he spoke of how they had to break ice when they were baptizing him. They went to some lake and they had to break the ice so that he could be baptized. Well, I can get the freezer downstairs and we'll maybe break the ice for some of you and we'll have a baptismal service. But you know what I'm saying here, folks? That's genuine love for the Lord. A genuine design, desire sorry, to follow the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know that's all Jesus requires. If you love me, keep my commandments. Let's stand in his presence. Thank you for listening.